All right, Christine. I'm assuming you can hear me. Jeez, I'm salty. I <laughs> We had 120 people or something like that situated to get here. But now... Damn. I know. I was just tweeting something out like, um, I know, I don't know what to do because all those people were on there. Right, right. Because we had had that thing scheduled for three weeks ago and, you know, slowly it picked up people. And then, you know, you got a lot of people, it looks like, in the last day or so. But, uh, oh, well, they'll come in here. If they really want to be in here, obviously they'll find you and follow us in. Welcome, everybody. We will get started here in just a moment. Had some technical difficulties to start with. I started the space. And it wouldn't let me start it. Wouldn't let me start it. And uh, it just, uh, I restarted it and still wouldn't let me start it. So finally, this is the space. So you can share this and feel good that you were sharing the correct one. But the one that everybody hit the reminder button for, that space is not working. So damn, sorry about that. Let me throw out a few tweets uh, to get everybody in here that we can get in here. Christine will do the same. And I invite you in here to do the same, and we will get started with Trading in the Zone here in just a moment. Let me turn on a little bit of smart music so we can all feel smart, and then we'll get started. I have sent off a few tweets. We'll get a few people in here and get started. Uh, in case you are new in here, uh, this is the Golden Hour Book Club. The Golden Hour Book Club, we started uh, in the beginning of this year saying, hey, let's start a book club. This was Christine's idea. She had texted me and said, hey, we need to have a book club in uh, on Twitter Spaces. So that's exactly what we did. We started out with Bitcoin Billionaires by Ben Mesrich. Uh, it was the sequel to the social network. If you've ever seen that movie, it was originally a book that got made into a movie. And this was the sequel to that following the Winklevoss twins and kind of all that they did with their, their settlement that they got from Mark Zuckerberg for Facebook. And that was really interesting. And we were trying to decide what book will we do for the, our second act. And I had a few people recommending books to me and Christine had a few people recommending books to her. But there's one book that really stood out for both of our audiences that people wanted to have read to them and wanted to discuss, and that is Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas. Uh, many of you may be traders, whether it be option traders, stock traders, or even if you're trading you know, NFTs or crypto, uh, if you're a technical trader, you may have the most kick-ass, you may have an amazing system. And uh, if, you're, if you're not right between the ears, if you don't have your mental game locked down, then you will lose. Doesn't matter whether you've got a great system or not, you will lose if you don't got the mental game locked down. So that's what Trading in the Zone gets into. That's what uh, we will read about. Tonight I will read the forward, the preface. Then there's an attitude survey after that. It is, I believe, 30, yeah, 30 questions. 
all about agree or disagree. And here's what I'll recommend you do. Uh, if you'll get a pen and paper, you can still do that before you get going. Uh, and I hope you actually have the book with you. But even if you don't, if you'll get a pen and paper and write number one, number two, all the way through 30, and then you can either write an A for agree or D for disagree on each of these. And the idea is by the end of the book, we can take that exact same quiz and you can see if you've had any changes or any difference in your mindset um, after that. Um, I do want to rec uh, remind everybody, this is a live reading. Won't be a complete audiobook. I'll try to do it in the, the best audiobook style and the best presenting style as I can. But you'll get any mispronunciations I do. If I fumble over my words, you're going to get that. It is a live reading. But then after I do that, uh, Christine is going to kind of lead the discussion afterwards. And she can have some questions. And you guys can come up here. Uh, anybody can come up here that wants to discuss with us and say, I really like what was said here because I've ran into this in my, you know, my own trading experiences and that sort of thing. Christine, have I left anything out? I tried to give a pretty good little overview of uh, how that's going to work. Did I leave anything out? No, I don't think you did. Um, if you guys have the book, I recommend like reading along um, as he narrates the book. I think it helps a lot. It's almost just like you're reading it as well versus just audio. And then there, if you don't have the physical book with you, there is a PDF and it's free online. If you guys want to grab that, let me grab the link. Actually, it's um, on webeducation.com. So I'll post that link and I'll put it up there on the Jumbotron. But I know we have a POEP as well. We right? do. Thank you for reminding me of that. All in the craziness of everything I had, uh, I started forgetting about that. But if anybody doesn't know what a POEP is, if you're just in the trading world and you're not in the, uh, in the Web3 world, a POEP is a proof of attendance protocol. It's an acronym, P-O-A-P. And what that is, is you can go in the POAP app. If you go in your app store and just search for P-O-A-P, and find POAP, then you can actually get a proof that you were here. And then you can prove to people, hey, I, I know that a lot of people say they were there for the Golden Hour Book Club, but I actually was. And you can prove it. So if you have that app already, and you can do this for about the next 20 minutes, uh, if you will get that app, press Mint and hit Secret Word and type in for that secret word, the word mental. Okay, the word mental. Let's see if that works. Okay, and then it does. And then you will get this ridiculous uh, uh, number, uh, you know, anti-bot feature. And you'll try to do that. You can just spam those numbers in sequential order until you get enough. Christine, is it working for you thus far using mental? It's anti-bot thing. Yeah, it works, but I'm doing all the numbers I am now. too. I am too. So they just added this anti-bot feature. And uh, I'll be honest, it kind of sucks. Um, it's not just an anti-bot feature. To me, it's an anti-human feature. But if you've got the POAP app, go to, uh, you know, go into the secret word, type in mental, and then start uh, trying to do the anti-bot feature. You have two minutes to do so once you type in that mental. I think this is annoying. Did you get it? Have you got it yet? I'm still working at it. Still working on it. So I think we're bots. Okay, yeah, maybe that's the answer, is we are just bots. Um, I am up to the 700s. You have to get up to 1,000. If anybody's doing this and they're like, this sucks, why do you Web3 yeah. people do this kind of thing? Um, Almost not do it anymore because of these numbers. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, is before reading and trading in the zone, you can't really do it. But after, you can do it no problem. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> 
That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's the anti-bot feature. After you do it, you're so mentally freed, you can do it easily. Um, I did just do it. I have successfully done it. So uh, I recommend you do the same. You have. So I I did that as well. So we're not bots. So there you go. Um, also, I put up the PDF up there, you guys. If you want to read along, I do suggest that. And then Keanu is here. So I'm super excited. And he loves trading in the zone so much that he has multiple uh, covers or multiple copies of the book under his bed. That is just like any time he needs a little inspiration. Let me just reach under this bed. <laughs> That's my zone. So that is awesome. That's all. My safe word is Mark Douglas. It's so. <laughs> a great safe word. And it just might be an ender. So it's probably a pretty good safe word to have. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, I will start with the forward here. And usually what I'll do, if there's anything really, you know, earth shattering in that chapter, then we might stop and talk about it. And I'll stop with Christine and anybody can speak at that moment. Uh, while I am speaking, we may keep it on mute. Um, but if uh, you want to come up here and speak, particularly whenever we're through, then do so. And uh, we'll bring you up to the stage and then you can discuss because I do want to hear what people's thoughts are. But if you're just joining, Bring out that piece of paper and pen because it will have a little attitude survey, uh, 30 questions. Most of them are agree or disagree, so be prepared to answer that as well as read along. And if you don't have the book already, you can buy it and use the PDF in the meantime. So I'm going to start with the forward, and we will get started with this bad boy. I am excited for this. So, all right, let me just get started, and then we will get going. It's the forward. The great bull market in stocks has led to an equally great bull market in the number of books published on the subject of how to make money trading markets. Many ideas abound, some good, some not, some original, some just a repackaging of earlier works. Occasionally, though, a writer comes forward with something that really sets him or her apart from the pack, something special. One such writer is Mark Douglas. Mark Douglas, in Trading in the Zone, has written a book that is the accumulation of years of thought and research, the work of a lifetime. And for those of us who view trading as a profession, he has produced a gem. Trading in the Zone is an in-depth look at the challenges that we face when we take up the challenge of trading. To the novice, the only challenge appears to be able to find a way to make money. Once the novice learns that tips, broker's advice, and other ways to justify buying or selling do not work consistently, he, he discovers that either he needs to develop a reliable trading strategy or purchase one. After that, trading should be easy, right? All you have to do is follow the rules and the money will just fall into your lap. At this point, if not before, novices discover that trading can turn into the, one of the most frustrating experiences they will ever face. This experience leads to the off-started statistic that 95% of all futures traders lose money within their first year of trading. Stock traders generally experience the same results, which is why pundits always point to the fact that most stock traders fail to outperform a simple buy-and-hold investment scenario. So why do people, the majority of whom are extremely successful in other occupations, fail so miserably as traders? Are successful traders born and not made? Mark Douglas says no. What's necessary, he says, is that the individual acquire the trader's mindset. It sounds easy, but the fact is, this mindset is very foreign when compared to the way our life experiences teach us to think about the world. 
The 95% failure rate makes sense when you consider how most of us experience life using skills learned as we grow. When it comes to trading, however, it turns out that the skills we learn to earn high marks in school, advance our careers, and create relationships with other people, the skills we are taught that we should carry on throughout life, turn out to be inappropriate for trading. Traders, we find out, must learn to think in terms of probabilities and to surrender all of the skills we have acquired to achieve in virtually every other aspect of our lives. In Trading in the Zone, Mark Douglas teaches us how. He has put together a very valuable book. His sources are his own personal experiences as a trader, a trader's coach in Chicago, author, and lecturer in the field of trading psychology. My recommendation? Enjoy Douglas's Trading in the Zone and, in doing so, develop a trader's mindset. And that is Tom Hartle um, who put that together. So that is the forward. We'll start with the preface uh, here. Uh, just as a reminder to anybody that just joined in, we do have a PO app for anybody that wants to just prove to everybody else that you were in here for this reading. If so, go into the uh, PO app app and use the term or the secret word mental, M-E-N-T-A-L. And in case you're wondering where I get that from, um, part of what we'll read in chapter one talks about fundamental analysis, technical analysis, and then introduces the term mental analysis. So that's where I get that term mental on there. But you can try that and go through the very frustrating anti-bot feature, and we'll go through that. I'm going to do this preface, and then we'll jump into an attitude survey after that. All right, let's start with the preface. Preface. The goal of any trader is to turn profits on a regular basis, yet so few people ever make consistent money as traders. What accounts for the small percentage of traders who are consistently successful? To me, the determining factor is psychological. The constant winners think differently from everyone else. I started trading in 1978. At the time, I was managing a commercial casualty insurance company in the suburbs of Detroit, Michigan. I had a very successful career, and I thought I could easily transfer that success into trading. Unfortunately, I found was not the case. By 1981, I was thoroughly disgusted with my inability to trade effectively while holding another job. So I moved to Chicago and got a job as a broker with Merrill Lynch at the Chicago Board of Trade. How did I do? Well, within nine months of moving to Chicago, I had lost nearly everything I owned. My losses were the result of both my trading activities and my exorbitant lifestyle, which demanded that I make a lot of money as a trader. From these early experiences as a trader, I learned an enormous amount about myself, about the role of psychology in trading. As a result, in 1982, I started working on my first book, The Disciplined Trader, Developing Winning Attitudes. When I began this project, I had no concept of how difficult it was to write a book or explain something that I understood for myself in a manner and form that would be useful to other people. I thought it was going to take me between six and nine months to get the job done. It took seven, it took seven and a half years and was finally published by Prentice Hall in 1990. In 1983, I left Merrill Lynch to start a consulting firm, Trading Behavior Dynamics, where I presently develop and conduct seminars on trading psychology and act in the capacity of what is commonly referred to as a trading coach. I've done countless presentations for trading companies, clearing firms, brokerage houses, banks, and investment conferences all over the world. 
I've worked at a personal level, one-on-one, with virtually every type of trader in the business, including some of the biggest floor traders, hedgers, options specialists, and CTAs, as well as neophytes. As of this writing, I have spent the last 17 years dissecting the psychological dynamics behind trading so that I could develop effective methods for teaching proper principles of success. What I've discovered that, at the most fundamental level, is there is a problem with the way we think. There is something inherent in the way our minds work that doesn't fit very well with the characteristics shown by the markets. Those traders who have confidence in their own trades, who trust themselves to do what needs to be done without hesitation, are the ones who become successful. They no longer fear the erratic behavior of the market. They learn to focus on the information that helps them spot opportunities to make a profit rather than focusing on the information that reinforces their fears. While this might sound complicated, it all boils down to learning to believe that, one, you don't need to know what's going to happen next to make money. Two, anything can happen. And three, every moment is unique meaning every edge and outcome is truly a unique experience. The trade either works or it doesn't. In any case, you wait for the next edge to appear and go through the process again and again. With this approach, approach, you will learn in a methodical, non-random fashion what works and what doesn't. And, just as important, you will build a sense of self-trust so that you won't damage yourself in an environment that has unlimited qualities the markets have. Most traders don't believe that their trading problems are the result of the way they think about trading, or more specifically, how they are thinking while they are trading. In my first book, The Disciplined Trader, I identified the problems confronting the trader from a mental perspective, and then built a philosophical framework for understanding the nature of how these problems and why they exist. I had five major objectives in mind while writing Trading in the Zone. One, to prove to the trader that more or better market analysis is not the solution to his trading difficulties or lack of consistent results. Two, to convince the trader that it's his attitude and state of mind that determine his results. Three, to provide the trader with specific beliefs and attitudes that are necessary to build a winner's mindset, which means learning how to think in probabilities. Four, to address the many conflicts, contradictions, and paradoxes in thinking that cause the typical trader to assume that he already does think in probabilities when he really doesn't. And then five, to take the trader through a process that integrates this thinking strategy into his mental system at a functional level. Note, until recently, most traders were men, but I recognize that more and more women are joining the ranks. In an effort to avoid confusion and awkward phrasing, I have consistently used the pronoun he throughout this book in describing traders. This certainly does not reflect any bias on my part. Trading in the zone represents a serious psychological approach to becoming a consistent winner in your trading. I do not offer a trading system. I am more interested in showing you how to think in the way necessary to become a profitable trader. I assume that you already have your own system, your own edge. You must learn to trust your edge the edge means that there is a higher probability of one outcome than another. The greater your confidence, the easier it will be to execute your trades. This book is designed to give you the insight and understanding that you need about yourself and the nature of trading 
so that actually doing it becomes an easy, simple, and stress-free as when you're just watching the market and thinking about doing it. In order to determine how well you will think like a trader, take the following attitude surveys. There are no right or wrong answers. Your answers are an indication of how consistent your current mental framework is with the way you need to think in order to get the most out of your trading. Mark Douglas. All right, and that is the preface. So we've done the forward and the preface. Next comes the attitude survey. And the attitude survey is something that you can participate in, even if you're just, and this is me, by the way, this is Voice of DeFi speaking, not Mark Douglas, um, that you can actually just get a pen and paper and write agree or disagree for most of these questions. There's a few short answer questions for this attitude survey, but uh, uh, I would recommend writing it down on a piece of paper. That way you can compare it to later whenever we're finished with the book and see if your mental attitude is the same. So let's begin with the attitude survey. Question one, to make money as a trader, you have to know what the market is going to do next. Agree or disagree? Number two, sometimes I find myself thinking that there must be a way to trade without having to take a loss. Agree or disagree? Number three, making money as a trader is primarily a function of analysis. Agree or disagree? Number four, losses are an unavoidable component of trading. Agree or disagree? Number five, my risk is always defined before I enter a trade. Agree or disagree? Number six, in my mind, there is always a cost associated with finding out what the market may do next. Agree or disagree? Number seven, I wouldn't even bother putting on the next trade if I wasn't sure that it was going to be a winner. Agree or disagree? Number eight, the more a trader learns about the markets and how they behave, the easier it will be for him to execute his trades. Agree or disagree? Number nine, my methodology tells me exactly under what market conditions to either enter or exit a trade. Agree or disagree? Number 10, even when I have a clear signal to reverse my position, I find it extremely difficult to do so. Agree or disagree? Number 11, I have sustained periods of consistent success, usually followed by some fairly drastic drawdowns in my equity. Agree or disagree? Number 12, when I first started trading, I would describe my trading methodology as haphazard, meaning some success in between a lot of pain. Agree or disagree? Number 13, I often find myself feeling that the markets are against me personally. Agree or disagree? Question 14, as much as I might try to let go, I find it very difficult to put past my emotional wounds behind me. Agree or disagree? Number 15, I have a money management philosophy that is founded in the principle of always taking some money out of the market when the market makes it available. Agree or disagree? Number 16, a trader's job is to identify patterns in the market's behavior that represent an opportunity and then to determine the risk of finding out if these patterns will play themselves out as they have in the past. Agree or disagree? 17, sometimes I just can't help feeling that I am a victim of the market. Agree or disagree? Number 18, when I trade, I usually try to stay focused in one time frame. Agree or disagree? Number 19, trading successfully 
requires a degree of mental flexibility far beyond the scope of most people. Agree or disagree? Number 20, there are times when I can definitely feel the flow of the market. However, I often have difficulty acting on these feelings. Agree or disagree? Number 21, there are times when I am in a profitable trade and I know the move is basically over, but I still won't take my profits. Agree or disagree? Number 22, no matter how much money I make in a trade, I am rarely ever satisfied and I feel that I could have made more. Agree or disagree? Number 23, when I put on a trade, I feel I have a positive attitude. I anticipate all of the money that I could make from the trade in a positive way. That's you, agree or disagree. Number 24, the most important component in a trader's ability to accumulate money over time is having belief in his own consistency. Agree or disagree? Number 25, if you were granted a wish to be able to instantaneously acquire one trading skill, what skill would you choose? And that's a short answer one. It's not agree or disagree. Just put in what would be that one skill that you would instantly acquire if you could have it. Number 26, I often spend sleepless nights worrying about the market. Agree or disagree? Number 27, do you ever feel compelled to make a trade because you're afraid that you might miss out? Yes or no. Number 28, although it doesn't happen very often, I really like my trades to be perfect. When I make a perfect call, it feels so good, and that makes up for all the times that I don't. Agree or disagree? Number 29, do you ever find yourself planning trades that you never execute and executing trades that you never planned? Yes or no? And the last one's more of a short answer. In a few sentences, explain why most trader, traders either don't make money or aren't able to keep what they make. And that's just a short answer. You can kind of jot in what you want to put uh, on there. And it's got one last paragraph on the attitude survey. survey. It says, set aside your answers as you read through this book. After you finish the last chapter, which is called Thinking Like a Trader, take the attitude survey again. It's reprinted in the back of the book. You may be surprised at how much your answers differ from the first time. So I hope you guys did that exercise where you wrote down whether you agree or disagree. And uh, we, will, we will get started here in chapter one because at the end of the book, which we'll do this, uh, Christine and I usually do uh, a chapter or two each uh, week. And we do this on Mondays and Wednesdays at this exact same time. So kind of cut out a little bit of that time. We do this book club just twice a week. It's not a huge commitment. And then you can join in. And by the end of this book, I, I, I'm telling you, this book is very well done. And people will, uh, I think you will really be a better trader because of it, just from the mental aspect of it. All right. Chapter one, which is called The Road to Success, Fundamental, Technical, or Mental Analysis. And afterwards, by the way, we will bring everybody up. If you want to have a comment on uh, everything that I'm reading here, that we can talk about it, bring in your own personal um, experiences into it. And I think that'll be, really be good. All right. Chapter one. In the beginning, fundamental analysis. Who remembers when fundamental analysis was considered the only real or proper way of trading decisions? When I started trading in 1978, Technical analysis was used by only a handful of traders who were considered by the rest of the market community to be, at the very least, crazy. As difficult as it is to believe now, it wasn't very long ago when Wall Street 
And most of the major funds and financial institutions thought that technical analysis was some form of mystical hocus-pocus. Now, of course, just the opposite of true. The opposite is true. Almost all experienced traders use some form of technical analysis to help them formulate their trading strategies. Except for some small, isolated pockets in the academic community, the purely fundamental analysis is virtually extinct. What caused this dramatic shift in perspective? I'm sure it's no surprise to anyone that the answer to this question is very simple. Money. The problem with making trading decisions from a strictly fundamental perspective is the inherent difficulty of making money consistently using this approach. For those of you that may not be familiar with fundamental analysis, let me explain. Fundamental analysis attempts to take into consideration all of the variables that could affect the relative balance or imbalance between the supply of and possibly the demand for any particular stock, commodity, or financial instrument. Using primarily mathematical models that weigh the significance of a variety of factors, such as interest rates, balance sheets, weather patterns, and numerous others, the analyst projects what the price would be at some point in the future. The problem with these models is that they rarely, if ever, factor in other traders as variables. People expressing their beliefs and expectations about the future make prices move, not models. The fact that a model makes a logical and reasonable projection based on all the relevant variables is not much value if the traders who are responsible for most of the trading volume are not aware of the model or don't believe in it. As a matter of fact, many traders, especially those on the floors of the future exchanges who have the ability to move the price very dramatically in one direction or the other, usually don't have the slightest concept of the fundamental supply and demand factors that are supposed to be affecting prices. Furthermore, at any given moment, much of their trading activity is prompted by a response to emotional factors that are completely outside the parameters of the fundamental model. In other words, the people who trade and consistently move prices don't always act in a rational manner. Ultimately, the fundamental analysis could find that a prediction about where prices should be at some point in the future is correct. But in the meantime, price movement could be so volatile that it would be very difficult, if not impossible, to stay in a trade in order to realize the objective. The shift to technical analysis. Technical analysis has been around for as long as there have been organized markets in the form of exchanges. But the trading community didn't accept technical analysis as a viable tool for making money until the late 1970s or early 1980s. Here's what the technical analysis knew that the mainstream market community generations, mainstream market community generations to catch on to. A finite number of traders participate in the markets on any given day, week, or month. Many of these traders do the same kinds of things over and over in their attempt to make money. In other words, individuals develop behavior patterns, and a group of individuals interacting with one another on a consistent basis form collective behavior patterns. These behavior patterns are observable and quantifiable, and they repeat themselves with statistical reliability. Technical analysis is a method that organizes this collective behavior into identifiable patterns that can give a clear indication of when there is a greater probability of one thing happening over another. In a sense, the technical analysis allows you to get into the mind of the market to anticipate what's likely to happen next based on the kind of patterns the market generated at some previous moment. 
As a method for projecting future price movement, technical analysis has turned out to be a far superior to purely fundamental approach. It keeps the trader focused on what the market is doing now in relation to what it has done in the past, instead of focusing on what the market should be doing based solely on what is logical and reasonable as determined by a mathematical model. On the other hand, fundamental analysis creates what I call a reality gap between what should be and what is. The reality gap makes it extremely difficult to make anything but very long-term predictions that can be difficult to exploit even if they are correct. In contrast, technical analysis not only closes this reality gap, but also makes available to the trader a virtually unlimited number of possibilities to take advantage of. The technical approach opens up many more possibilities because it identifies how the same repeatable behavior patterns occur in every time frame, moment to moment, daily, weekly, yearly, and every time span in between. In other words, technical analysis turns the market into an endless stream of opportunities to enrich oneself. The shift to mental analysis. If technical analysis works so well, why would more and more of the trading community shift their focus from technical analysis of the market to mental analysis of themselves, meaning their own individual trading psychology? To answer this question, you probably don't have to do anything more than ask yourself why you bought this book. The most likely reason is that you're dissatisfied with the difference between what you perceive as the unlimited potential to make money and what you end up with on the bottom line. That's the problem with technical analysis, if you want to call it a problem. Once you will learn to identify patterns and read the market, you find there are opportunities to make money. But as I'm sure you already know, there can be a huge gap between what you understand about the markets and your ability to transform that knowledge into consistent profits or a steadily, steady rising equity curve. Think about the number of times you've looked at the price chart and said to yourself, hmm, it looks like the market is going to go up or down as the case may be. And what you thought was going to happen actually happened. But you did nothing except watch the market move while you anguished over all the money that you could have made. There's a big difference between predicting something will happen in the market and thinking about all the money that you could have made and the reality of actually getting into and out of trades. I call this difference, and others like it, a psychological gap that can make trading one of the most difficult endeavors you could choose to undertake, and certainly one of the uh, most mysterious to master. The big question is, can trading be mastered? Is it possible to experience trading with the same ease and simplicity implied when you're only watching the market and thinking about success? as opposed to actually having to put on and take off trades. Not only is the answer an unequivocal yes, but that's also exactly what this book is designed to give you. The insight and understanding you need about yourself and about the nature of trading. So the result is that you are actually doing what becomes easy, simple, and stress-free as you are just watching the market and thinking about doing it. This may seem like a tall order, and to some of you, it may even seem impossible, but it's not. There are people who have mastered the art of trading, who have closed the gap between the possibilities available and their bottom line performance. But as you might expect, these winners are relatively few in number compared with the number of traders who experience varying degrees of frustration, all the way to extreme exasperation, wondering why they can't create 
the consistent success they so desperately desire. In fact, the differences between these two groups of traders, the consistent winners and everyone else, are analogous to the differences between the Earth and the Moon. The Earth and the Moon are both celestial bodies that exist in the same solar system, so they do have something in common, but they are as different in nature and characteristics as night and day. By the same token, anyone who puts on a trade can claim to be a trader, but when you compare the characteristics of the handful of consistent traders with the characteristics of most other traders, you'll find that they're also as different as night and day. It's if going to the moon represents consistent success as a trader, we can say that getting to the moon is possible. The journey is extremely difficult, and only a handful of people have made it. From our perspective here on Earth, the moon is usually visible every night, and it seems so close that we could just reach out and touch it. Trading successfully feels the same way. On any given day, week, or month, the markets make available vast amounts of money to anyone who has the capacity to put on a trade. Since the markets are in constant motion, this money is also constantly flowing, which makes the possibilities for success greatly magnified and seemingly within your grasp. Now, I use the word seemingly to make an important distinction between the two groups of traders. For those that have learned how to be consistent or have broken through what I call the threshold of consistency, the money is not only within their grasp, they can virtually take it at will. I'm sure that some will find this statement shocking or difficult to believe, but it is true. There are some limitations, but for the most part, money flows into the accounts of these traders with such ease and effortlessness that it literally boggles most people's minds. However, for the traders who have not evolved into this select group, the word seemingly means exactly what it implies. It seems as if the consistency or ultimate success they desire is at hand or within their grasp just before it slips away or evaporates before their eyes time and time again. The only thing about trading that is consistent with this group is emotional pain. Yes, they certainly have moments of elation, but it is not an exaggeration to say that most of the time they are in a state of fear, anger, frustration, anxiety, disappointment, betrayal, and regret. So what separates these two groups of traders? Is it intelligence? Are the consistent winners just plain smarter than everyone else? Do they work harder? Are they better analysts or do they have access to better trading systems? Do they possess inherently personality characteristics that make it easier for them to deal with the intense pressures of trading? All of these possibilities sound quite plausible, except when you consider that most of the trading industry's failures are also some of the society's brightest and most accomplished people. The largest group of consistent losers, it's composed primarily of doctors, lawyers, engineers, scientists, CEOs, wealthy retirees, and entrepreneurs. Furthermore, most of the industry's best market analysis are the worst traders imaginable. Intelligence and good market analysis certainly contribute to success, but they are not the defining factors that separate the consistent winners from everyone else. Well, if it isn't intelligence or better analysis, well then what could it be? Having worked with some of the best and some of the worst traders in the business, and having helped some of the worst become some of the best, I can state without a doubt that there are specific reasons why the best traders consistently outperform everyone else. If I had to distill all the reasons down to one, 
I would simply say that the best traders think differently from the rest. I know that doesn't sound very profound, but it does have profound implications if you consider what it means to think differently. To one degree or another, all of us think differently from everyone else. We may not always be mindful of this fact. It seems natural to assume that other people share our perceptions and interpretations of events. In fact, this assumption continues to seem valid until we find ourselves in a basic, fundamental disagreement with someone about something we have both experienced. Other than our physical features, the way we think is what makes us unique, probably even more unique than our physical features do. Let's get back to traders. What is different about the way that the best traders think as opposed to how these traders, those who are still struggling, think? Well, while the markets can be described as an arena of endless opportunities, they simultaneously confront the individual with some of the most sustained, adverse psychological conditions you can expose yourself to. At some point, everyone who trades learns something about the markets that will indicate when opportunities exist. But learning how to identify an opportunity to buy or sell does not mean that you have learned to think like a trader. The defining characteristic that separates the consistent winners from everyone else is this. The winners have attained, obtained a mindset, a unique set of attitudes that allows them to remain undisciplined, focused, and above all, confident in spite of the adverse conditions. As a result, they are no longer susceptible to the common fears and trading errors that plague everyone else. Everyone who trades ends up learning something about the markets. Very few people who trade ever learn the attitudes that are absolutely essential to becoming a consistent winner. Just as people can learn to perfect the proper techniques for swinging a golf club or a tennis racket, their consistency or lack of it will without a doubt come from their attitude. Traders who make it beyond the threshold of consistency usually experience a great deal of pain, both emotional and financial, before they acquire the kind of attitude that allows them to function effectively in the market environment. The rare exceptions are usually those who were born into successful trading families or who started their trading careers under the guidance of someone who understood the true nature of trading and, just as important, knew how to teach it. Why are emotional pain and financial disaster common among traders? The simple answer is that most of us weren't fortunate enough to start out our trading careers with the proper guidance. However, the reasons go much deeper than this. I've spent the last 17 years dissecting the psychological dynamics behind trading so that I could develop effective methods for teaching the principles of success. What I've discovered is that trading is chock full of paradoxes and contradictions in thinking is the what makes extremely difficult to learn how to be successful. In fact, if I had to choose one word that encapsulates the nature of trading, it would be paradox. According to the dictionary, a paradox is something that seems to have contradictory qualities or that is contrary to common belief or what generally makes sense to people. Financial and emotional disaster are common among traders because of their many perspectives, attitudes, and principles that, that, lot, that, are, <laughs> that would otherwise make perfect sense and work quite well in our daily lives and have the opposite effect in the trading environment. They just don't work. Not knowing this, most traders start their careers with a fundamental lack of understanding of what it means to be a trader, the skills that are involved, and the depth to which those skills need to be developed. Here's a prime example of what I'm talking about. Trading is inherently risky. 
To my knowledge, no trade has a guaranteed outcome. Therefore, the possibility of being wrong and losing money is always present. So when you put on a trade, can you consider yourself a risk taker? Even though this may sound like a trick question, it is not. The logical answer to the question is unequivocally yes. If I engage in an activity that is inherently risky, then I must be a risk taker. This is perfectly reasonable assumption for any trader to make. In fact, not only do virtually all traders make this assumption, most traders take pride in thinking of themselves as risk takers. The problem is that this assumption couldn't be further from the truth. Of course, any trader is taking a risk when you put on a trade, but that doesn't mean that you are correspondingly accepting that risk. In other words, all trades are risky because the outcomes are probable, not guaranteed. But do most traders really believe they are taking a risk when they put on a trade? Have they really accepted that the trade has a non-guaranteed, probable outcome? Furthermore, have they fully accepted the possible consequences? The answer is unequivocally no. Most traders have absolutely no concept of what it means to be risk takers in the way a successful trader thinks about risk. The best traders not only take the risk, they also have learned to accept and embrace that risk. There's a huge psychological gap between assuming you're a risk taker because you put on trades and fully accepting the risks inherent in each trade. When you fully accept the risks, it will have a profound implications on your bottom line performance. The best traders can put on a trade without the slightest bit of hesitation or conflict, and just as freely and without hesitation or conflict, admit it isn't working. They get out of the trade, even with a loss, and in doing so, doesn't resonate with the slightest bit of emotional discomfort. In other words, the risks inherent in trading do not cause the best, cause the best traders to lose their discipline, focus, or sense of confidence. If you're unable to trade without the slightest bit of emotional discomfort, especially fear, then you have not learned how to accept the risks inherent in trading. This is a big problem because to whatever degree you haven't accepted the risk is the same degree to which you will avoid the risk. Trying to avoid something that is unavoidable will have disastrous effects on your ability to trade successfully. Learning to truly accept the risks in any endeavor can be difficult but it is extremely difficult for traders, especially considering what's at stake. What are we generally most afraid of, besides dying or public speaking? Certainly, losing money and being wrong both rank close to the top of the list. Admitting we are wrong and losing money to boot can be extremely painful and certainly something to avoid. Yet, as traders, we are confronted with those two possibilities virtually every moment we are in a trade. Now you might be saying to yourself, apart from the fact that it hurts so much, it's natural to not want to be wrong and lose something. Therefore, it's appropriate for me to do whatever I can to avoid it. And I agree with you. But it's also this natural tendency that makes trading, which looks like it should be easy, extremely difficult. Trading presents us with a fundamental paradox. How do we remain disciplined, focused, and confident in the face of constant uncertainty. When you have learned how to think like a trader, that's exactly what you'll be able to do. Learning how to redefine your trading activities in a way that allows you to completely accept the risk is the key to thinking like a successful trader. Learning to accept the risk is a trading skill, the most important skill you can learn. 
Yet it's rare that developing traders focus any attention or expend any effort to learn it. When you learn the trading skill of risk acceptance, the market will not be able to generate information that you define or interpret as painful. If the information the market generates doesn't have the potential to cause you emotional pain, there's nothing to avoid. It's just information telling you what the possibilities are. This is called an objective perspective, one that is not skewed or distorted by what you're afraid is going to happen or not happen. I'm sure there isn't one trader reading this book who hasn't gotten into trades too soon before the market has actually generated a signal or too late, long after the market has generated a signal. What trader hasn't convinced himself not to take a loss and as a result, had it turned into a bigger one or got out of winning trades too soon or found himself in winning trades but didn't take any profits at all and then let the trades turn into losers or move stop losses closer to his entry point, only to get stopped out and have the market go back in his direction. These are but a few of the many errors trade, many errors traders perpetuate upon themselves time and time again. These are not market-generated errors. That is, these errors do not come from the market. The market is neutral in the sense that it moves and generates information about itself. Movement and information provide each of us with the opportunity to do something. But that's all. The markets don't have any power over the unique way in which each of us perceives and interprets the information or controls of the decisions of the actions we take as a result. The errors I already mentioned, and many more, are strictly the result of what I call faulty trading attitudes and perspectives, faulty attitudes that foster fear instead of trust and confidence. I don't think I could put the difference between the, const the consistent winners and everyone else more simply than by saying this. The best traders aren't afraid. They aren't afraid because they have developed attitudes that give them the greatest degree of mental flexibility to flow in and out of trades based on what the market is telling them about the possibilities from its perspective. At the same time, the best traders have developed attitudes that prevent them from getting reckless. Everyone else is afraid to some degree or another. When they're not afraid, they have the tendency to become reckless and to create the kind of experience for themselves that will cause them to be afraid from that point on. 95% of the trading errors you are likely to make, causing the money to just evaporate before your eyes, will stem from your attitudes about being wrong, losing money, missing out, and leaving money on the table. What I call the four primary trading fears. Now you may be saying to yourself, I don't know about this. I've always thought traders should have a healthy fear of the market. Again, this is a perfectly logical and reasonable assumption. But when it comes to trading, your fears will act against you in such a way that will cause the very thing that you're afraid of to actually happen. If you're afraid of being wrong, your fear will act upon your perception of market information in a way that will cause you to do something that ends up making you wrong. When you are fearful, no other possibilities exist. You can't perceive other possibilities or act on them properly. Even if you did manage to perceive them, because fear is immobilizing, physically, it causes us to freeze or run. Mentally, it causes us to narrow our focus of attention to the object of our fear. This means that thoughts about other possibilities, as well as other available information from the market, get blocked. You won't think about all the rational things that you've learned about the market until you are no longer afraid and the event is over. Then you'll think to yourself, I knew that, 
why didn't I think of that back then? Or why couldn't I act on it then? It's extremely difficult to perceive the source of these problems in our own inappropriate attitudes. That's what makes fear so insidious. Many of the thinking patterns that adversely affect our trading are a function of the natural ways in which we're brought up to think and see the world. These thinking patterns are so deeply ingrained that it rarely occurs to us that the source of our trading difficulties is internal, derived from our own state of mind. Indeed, it seems much more natural to see the source of a problem as external, in the market, because it feels like it's the market that's causing our pain, frustration, and dissatisfaction. Obviously, these are abstract concepts, and certainly not something that most traders are going to concern themselves with. Yet, understanding the relationship between beliefs, attitudes, and perception is as fundamental to trading as learning how to serve is to tennis, or learning how to swing a golf club is to golf. Put another way, understanding and controlling your perception of market information is important only to the extent that you want to achieve consistent results. I say this because there is something else about trading that is as true as the statement I just made. You don't have to know anything about yourself or the markets to put on a winning trade, just as you don't have to know the proper way to swing a tennis racket or golf club in order to hit a good shot from time to time. The first time I played golf, I hit several good shots throughout the game, even though I hadn't learned any particular technique, but my score was still over 120 for 18 holes. Obviously, to improve my overall score, I needed to learn technique. Of course, the same thing is true for trading. We need technique to achieve consistency. But what technique? This is truly one of the most perplexing aspects of learning how to trade effectively. If we aren't aware of or don't understand how our beliefs and attitudes affect our perception of market information, it will seem as if it's the market's behavior that's causing the lack of consistency. As a result, it would stand to reason that the best way to avoid losses and become consistent would be to learn more about the markets. The bit of logic is a trap that almost all traders fall into at some point, and it seems to make perfect sense. But this approach doesn't work. The market simply offers too many, often conflicting, variables to consider. Furthermore, there are no limits to the market's behavior. It can do anything at any moment. As a matter of fact, because every person who trades is a market variable, it can be said that any single trader can cause virtually anything to happen. This means that no matter how much you learn about the market's behavior, no matter how brilliant an analyst you become, you will never learn enough to anticipate every possible way that the market can make you wrong or cause you to lose money. So if you're afraid of being wrong or losing money, it means you will never learn enough to compensate for the negative effects of those fears will have on your ability to be objective and your ability to act without hesitation. In other words, you won't be confident in the face of, of constant uncertainty. The hard, cold reality of trading is that every trade has to have an uncertain outcome. Unless you learn to completely accept the possibility of an uncertain outcome, you will try either to consciously or unconsciously uh, to avoid any possibility you define as painful. In the process, you will subject yourself to any number of self-generated costly errors. Now, I am not suggesting that we don't need some form of market analysis or methodology to define opportunities and allow us to recognize them. We certainly do. However, 
market analysis is not the path to consistent results. It will not solve the trading, trading problems created by lack of confidence, lack of discipline, or improper focus. When you operate from the assumption that more or better analysis will create consistency, you will be driven to gather as many market variables as possible in your arsenal of trading tools. But what happens then? You are still disappointed and betrayed by the markets time and again because of something you didn't see or give enough consideration to. It will feel like you can't trust the markets, but the reality is you can't trust yourself. Confidence and fear are contradictory states of mind that both stem from our beliefs and attitudes. To be confident, functioning in an environment where you can easily lose more than you intend to risk requires absolute trust in yourself. However, you won't be able to achieve that trust until you have trained your mind to override your natural inclination to think in ways that are counterproductive to being cons a consistently successful trader. Learning how to analyze the market's behavior is simply not the appropriate training. You have two choices. You can try to eliminate risk by learning about as many market variables as possible. I call this the black hole of analysis because it's the path of ultimate frustration. Or you can learn to redefine your trading activities in such a way that you truly accept the risk, that you're no longer afraid. When you've achieved a state of mind where you truly accept the risk and won't have the potential to define and interpret market information in painful ways, when you eliminate the potential to define market information in painful ways, you also eliminate the tendency to rationalize, hesitate, jump the gun, hope that the market will give you money, or hope that the market will save you from your inability to cut your losses. As long as you're susceptible to the kinds of errors that are the result of rationalizing, justifying, hesitating, hoping, and jumping, you will not be able to trust in yourself. If you can't trust yourself to be objective and to always act in your own best interest, achieving consistent results will be next to impossible. Trying to do something that looks so simple may well be the most exasperating thing you will ever attempt to do. The irony is that when you have the appropriate attitude, when you have acquired a trader's mindset and can remain confident in the face of constant uncertainty, trading will be as easy and simple as you probably thought it was when you first started out. So what's the solution? You will need to learn how to adjust your attitudes and beliefs about trading in such a way that you can trade without the slightest bit of fear. But at the same time, keep a framework in place that does not allow you to become reckless. That's exactly what this book is designed to teach you. As you move ahead, I would like you to keep something in mind. The successful trader that you want to become is a future projection of yourself that you have to grow into. Growth implies expansion, learning, and creating a new way of expressing yourself. This is true even if you're already a successful trader and are reading this book to become more successful. Many of the new ways in which you will learn to express yourself will be in direct conflict with ideas and beliefs you presently hold about the nature of trading. You may or may not already be aware of some of these beliefs. In any case, what you currently hold to be true about the nature of trading will argue to keep things just the way they are, in spite of your frustrations and unsatisfying results. These internal arguments are natural. My challenge in this book is to help you resolve these arguments as efficiently as possible. Your willingness to consider the other possibilities exists, possibilities that you may not be aware 
or may not have given enough consideration to will obviously make the learning process faster and easier. And that, everybody, is the end of chapter one. Christine, we did it. We've done, uh, we've, we've done the first chapter of Trading in the Zone. What did you think? I love it. It's so eye-opening because, I mean, we all trade whatever it is. If you're trading stocks, you're trading options, um, crypto, NFTs, whatever assets you're trading, um, it resonates with uh, just any of your trading, um, you know, what your, your emotions that you go through. And we always try to say, right, like, keep your emotions out of it. Just be very transactional and so eye-opening. I really want to take the quiz um, I just don't want to write on this book, but um, yeah. Why? What, what you going to sell it for? I mean, is that is that your big making opportunity is to sell that book? <laughs> I want the books to just stay clean, but I'm probably just going to. That is your book, Christine. You got to reread chapter one. <laughs> That's right. You, you hear that fear that she has, good looks? Yep. Whatever. <laughs> um, how did you feel about it, voice? I really liked it. So, um, Here's the way I feel, and, and, and Keanu had said this earlier, and I, I think I took him as joking at the time, but you know, I said like, <laughs> it's his safe word, keeps one under his under his bed, and that sort of thing. But as I was reading, I thought like, I could treat this like the Bible, man. I could like highlight certain things that were said to like re, I don't know, like say them to myself to like uh, kind of some things need to be repeated. Affirmation. Affir thank you. That's the word I'm looking for is affirmation. Some things were said in there that I thought like. Oh, I need to read that again because that like some of it like struck me to the core. I kind of felt like I don't know. Anybody else feel the same way? The moment you started asking the questions, I was like, it's like I know what's wrong with me, but I just <laughs> I, I, I won't fix it. You're like, are they talking about me? And uh, they are talking about you. Good looks. But I know Keanu's read it a few times and Drip is up here. Drip, have you read Trading in the Zone? As well? Look. All I want to know, voice, first-time caller, long-time fan, baby, can you just say drip for me in your little romantic pillow talk voice? Everybody make sure you follow drip. No, drip will there make you go. Your just keep saying that, big dog. <laughs> <laughs> I needed some content. I can't just say the word drip, but I appreciate you. I appreciate you saying I'm here to get you the followers, homie. But, uh, Sweet. Isn't his voice so ridiculous? It's, you know, yeah, it, it, sounds, it sounds real good. Um, what? so I don't think I've read trading in the zone. I'm actually, you know, I'm on this new kick airport books. I, I talked about it earlier, Christine, with you guys. Um, the, it's called the catalyst, how to change anyone's mind. And so I think it's important from my perspective, right? That when you're, when you're looking at self improvement, right? Personal growth, there's different facets of growth. There's, you know, you could go and spend time reading books on technical analysis. You can read, you know, uh, books in this case, like different perspectives that maybe you haven't thought of in the past or, or kind of like one of the other guys had said that now I know I, I, I know what's wrong with me, but uh, I'm not doing anything to fix it. And what I found for me is branching outside of that box a little bit and hitting on different areas like uh, self-help books, right? Process improvement. Um, great example. Process improvement is what helped me with, you know, reducing my overall amount of lines that I put on my chart. No longer have 955 lines on my chart. 
Um, and so, yeah, you know, I um, sat around and was listening. It's great opportunity for anybody that can't read. If you can't read, then here you go. You know, hopefully you're following him. Um, don't make me come back as a co-host and, and move down to the lower chat. You know how I get. But it takes time. And let me tell you something. I was following in my book reading along. And I couldn't read two paragraphs without saying wrong words. <laughs> Man. I just roll with it, right? Uh, you, yeah. So, good job. I appreciate it. Appreciate. Yeah, Jeff, I think it's like what you're saying too. So, I'm trying to expand, just like, um, just be more productive and try to just read more books. But when we started this book club, and then Voice of DeFi, he just narrates so well. So, what I do is I'll grab the book, and then as he's narrating, I'm like reading along as well. So, I feel like that's helping me too. So, do you put your finger to the page? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> hey, I do too, but that's because I'm always scared that I'm going to like, you ever do the you thing where it, like, yeah, you, you just got to go with it. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Or Christine knows this. I will absolutely like if it's especially if it's locations, I will butcher a city and then I'll just keep on butchering it for the rest of the chapter. So uh, luckily there aren't any locales in this book. But uh, yeah, uh, it's it, it's fun to read it. Although, Christine, this chapter is longer than our last book and uh, I may have to start taking breaks so I can, you know, chug a beer. So or I do have a suggestion. Um, I don't know if. Christine and I might be missing something up here at the top, but what if as you're going through this, right? Because we know there's people that are here right now that are just not doing anything with their time. They're just lazy. They want to hear you talk. It's not me. Okay. But what if you had a little sheet that had maybe, cause I don't know if you preview your chapters or like cliff notes where you could maybe have some questions that people could answer and, and submit them. I know Keanu has a little board that he puts up where people could post it just so you can see different perspectives on what people are taking away from the chapter as you read. I would imagine you're going to read through the whole book, correct? Correct. I like that idea. So it, just to make sure I'm understanding what you're saying, you're saying basically uh, have like two or three uh, talking points about the chapter. So we could say, all right, guys, right here, he said this, what did you guys think about that? And that way we can kind of have some, uh, discussion points based on what those chapters are going to be that we're going to read. Yeah. Do I got that yeah, right? That or, or have them give you, yeah, that's probably going to be better because otherwise they're not going to fill in their answers. Right. But yeah. Um, I think that'd be a real neat opportunity for people to see, you know, I mean, you read a book the first time, second time you take more away from it. Right. Or, or you see a different perspective to it. And so this would give people an opportunity to possibly see three, four sides to, you know, the story. For sure. No, I, I think that's, that's good suggestions. Anything that gets a uh, good discussion. And by the way, anybody that's listening, if you want to come up here and say like, you know, that really resonated with me or that pierced me, like good looks said, like, I felt like you were talking about me. <laughs> and I felt like that as I was reading it at times, come up here and I'd love to hear, you know, kind of what you think about that. Because Man, Christine, so you, first of all, if anybody doesn't know Christine, I feel like everybody in here probably does. Christine trades everything, okay? If, there, if it's an asset and it can be bought, if, if it can be bought low and sold high, or even bought high and sold low, she, she's in. <laughs> <laughs> she's in. And so do you, knowing that and knowing all these different communities, Christine, you know Web3 communities, you know options trading communities, you know, you know OTC communities. 
Do you feel like the same problems affect no matter what market? Absolutely. And that's why I was so excited for us to get on this book because it resonates with everyone on Fintwit, you know? Um, and if you trade, then you are, this is going to hit you hard because there is no one that slides through smoothly and just is perfect at trading and just the God of trading. That's just not possible. And then the moment you do think you are, you just start, the market makes you their bitch. So whatever market. And now there's an egg market. So I'm going to start trading eggs. Yeah. If they just didn't have like uh if they wouldn't just go bad in my, my refrigerator. Yeah. I would buy. Uh, you know, to the moon in 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 eggs. But, uh, uh, guys, I just got salmonella a week ago. <laughs> oh, <laughs> bad eggs. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> she bought but more. You yolk. <laughs> it was awful. It was so bad. It was the worst feeling. Uh, it was like just nauseous. But um, yeah, my link is up there. Defi, thank you, Christine. I have like an hour left to get votes and I'm about to get rugged by a carpet guy. <laughs> rugged by a carpet guy? To vote for her, her link is up there. It's like a TikTok voting thing. So she doesn't want to get rugged. But Keanu, um, how about you? You've read this like 10 times, right? Like what's your take on the first chapter and why is the quiz important? Um, I've never read it. So... Uh... <laughs> First time for me. That's why I'm here. Um, but, uh, you know, a couple of things. Me thinking that's hitting me hard and I need to hear that. And it also makes me feel good because I've told people stuff that he's saying, you know, just in a different, different words. So that makes me feel good about, um, you know, my teachings and whatnot, not that I have his pedigree because he's, um, you know, when, when we started out and he was saying his experience, like that's just nothing compared to my experience, but, um, yeah, it, it made me feel really good about what we tell people. And, um, I'm glad to be reading it. Uh, I ordered that copy I was showing you earlier today in anticipation of reading with you guys. So, um, I'm probably going to be marking up my book a lot. And what I usually do is when I, when I like a book, I'll, uh, mark it up and, uh, buy a fresh copy, you know, that is untouched. And then when someone says they haven't read it, I go here and then I give them the fresh copy, you know, but I always kind of keep my, my written in copy. That's, that's what I do. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I will mark yeah. this up and then I'll just buy another one. You, you yeah, 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 exactly. One good option trade, Christine, and you can pay for this book a few times over. So you, I, I believe in you. I believe that you can you can mark up this book and 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 feel okay about it. Was there any one particular question that you, Christine, or anybody that it like that you can remember that you were like, "Ooh, that that makes me feel really uncomfortable." Uh, there was one actually. Let me look at, at it. Look back at it. What was yours? Was there one for you? Oh, there were several of them. I mean, I'm looking through here. Um, yeah. Okay. Here's one. And I don't know that I feel this as much anymore, but I feel like everyone has felt this before where it says, sometimes I just can't help feeling that I'm a victim of the market. And I think, especially whenever you're new to trading, you're just like, the market is against me. It's obvious. Everyone else, especially if you're on social media, you're reading and you're like, everyone else is showing their great plays. They're doing great. 
and I'm doing the same things they're doing, but it, it never works for me. I always am losing and it feels like the market is just completely against me. Like everyone else is winning and I'm losing. And I've definitely, like I said, I feel like I've conquered that a little bit more, but it still probably creeps up a little bit or you just feel, it's like whenever uh, I'm a big sports fan uh, and if I'm watching basketball and I start blaming the refs, right? Uh, it, you know, it's, it's starting to just say this, this deck is stacked against me. It's not fair. It's, you know, it's the ref's fault. It's not that we're shooting 20% for the game. It's the dang ref's fault. And so, yeah, it starts coming back to where, uh, reading that it's like, uh, oh no, it actually, it actually is me. It's, it's not the market. It's, it's me. Yeah. And that's true. Like you, and you hear that a lot, right? Like people just blaming, um, the market, the market makers, and like just you know they're watching your trade. That's why it's going against you. And in all reality, we know that that's not true. So, and I've got one more that I want to know your answer to, Christine. And it it, it was the free form one. So, if you were granted a wish and were inst and you could instantaneously acquire one trading skill, what skill would you choose? And don't give me some you know see the future kind of answer. Give me give me yeah, a. I knew you were because I, I I know how you think. This is I'm not saying what superpower do you do you wish you could have. I'm saying if you feel like you could be like oh support and resistance if I can completely you know 100 have that or if I could absolutely 110 have this indicator and understand exactly what it was saying. Is there a trading skill or maybe it's fundamental analysis or something like that? Is there one skill you wish you absolutely just knocked it out of the park every time? I feel like that if there was one that it would be that I could just be able to identify, um, you know, like the, where it's going and then be able to get in early. And then I think my number one thing, you know, too, is that I just exit. I feel like I smoke too much hopium and I'm like, it's fine. It's going to be fine. I'm just going to like scale a little bit here and I'm going to leave the rest to like run and I shouldn't leave most of my position to run and then uh i just need to have a trigger finger because you know that would be a great power to have or skill to have well it sounds to me and i will get to you good looks uh but it sounds to me like you you kind of have this idea remember how it said like put away the fear you can't have the fear of what's you know you think like oh this could continue to run or oh this is going to turn around and i'm going to continue to do well and, you know, from reading that chapter one, it sounds like, you know, to really take that next step as the trader, as a trader, you have to be able to say like, hey, I might win, I might lose, but this is a probability game. And if I know that 60% of the time I'm going to win, and even if 40% of the time I'm going to lose, but if 60% of the time I'm going to win, um, then, then I'm good. Who cares? Who cares about that 40%? And those people cut off their losses quickly so that their, their winners can, can run and they, they keep on going. But, um, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and I've, I know your trades for long enough to kind of, you know, we start knowing kind of our DNA of what we're we're trading, and uh, all this is all this is just as useful to to me and you as it is to everyone else. Good looks, you got your hand up. What's up? Mine's exactly the same as Christine's. We're always in the same boat. I'm like, every time I see profit, I'm like, okay, it might go higher, and then the moment I'm like, okay, we're down a little bit, so we might just get back to where we were before, and I can get out. And it just never works out. I never take profit. I'm always, I'm always in the hole, holding it. Just like fuck. That's why when you're reading this, I was like, I agree. And then on number sixteen, I didn't, I didn't answer it because I went back to number fifteen. Like, I know, I know myself. I, I, I lied on that question. 
<laughs> you lied on your own book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, what do you think about this? I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I was like, but that's not what I do. I was like, let me go back. I disagree. <laughs> Let me read number 15 so everybody knows what he's talking about. Number 15 was, I have a money management philosophy that is founded in the principle of always taking some money out of the market when the market makes it available, right? So you buy, you know, 10 of something, 10 contracts of something, 10 NFTs, 10 Bitcoin, whatever, and uh, it goes up, you know, do you take a little profit? Maybe you leave a little to, to let it ride, but do you take a little profit? And that was agree or disagree. Then 16, the one Goodlux was talking about after that, a trader's job is to identify patterns in the market's behavior that represent an opportunity and then determine the risk of finding out if these patterns were played themselves out as they have in the past. Now that's, I mean, basically that's asking, do, 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 is it trader's responsibility to use technical analysis to say, you know, we've seen it hit, you know, here before and do these sort of things. Is it going to do it again? Yeah, like kind of like NFTs, you know, before reveal, it's up. After reveal, it's most likely going down. And my dumbass will keep holding it, thinking, okay, I might get a rare. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. Because this one's going to be different, right? This time it's going to be different. And, you know, it isn't. You didn't get that rare, did you? <laughs> Never is different. Never. I, I get number 10,000 in ranking. Right. <laughs> number 10,000. That's bad on a 10,000 collection. Drip, what do you feel like you would want as your skill, like your highest skill for trading? Oh, um, I think one of the biggest things that I continue to struggle with, I've been in, I've been doing it for a while is biased, right? And, and I, I don't have the book in front of me, so I don't know if it was a rule or not, but I do remember when you were talking about bias, right? Uh, and saying it's always different if I'm sitting on the sidelines and I say, oh, it's going to go up and I have no skin in the game. And guess what? It goes up. Boom, right? Or, oh, it's going to go down. And I again, nothing in the game. It goes down. As soon as I take that bias and I act on it, it's like, oh, the market, I'm, I'm the only one trading the market, right? Market knows my position, <laughs> and it's just out here to screw me. Um, and so one of the things that I've tried to not do um, as much is, is go into the day with a bias. Every day, uh, and, and you can't just wake up and be like, oh, I'm just not going to be biased today, right? I'm going to wake up and I'm just going to smell the roses, whatever they do. I'm going to deal it. Um, you, have to, you have to just trade what's in front of you, right? Um, have your plan A or B, you know, is it going up or down? And, and trade it and be fluid enough so that let's just say you play to the downside. Don't be stuck in the downside. Right. Take your profit. And, and I actually heard a couple of you guys talking about it as well, where um, when it's going up, oh, I can get a little bit more. I can get a little bit more. That, that habit that you're forming is going to result in a dependency upon you always needing more. And the more that you get that, the less likely you are to be successful, because now you're not going to be um, you won't be, what is it? What's the term? Um, satisfied, right? You're not reaching your goal unless you're hitting over two, 300%. What, what I like to see for myself is consistency in my trades, right? So consistently playing with the same amount every day, 
consistently taking 10 to 15% profit, consistently taking 10% losses. So for me, um, I, I think it would be just bias, right? Uh, a zero, a net neutral filter that allows me to go into market open. I mean, look at Twitter, right? Everybody said and it's, it says it's going up. And so, boom, you get in, it's it, boom, it's going down, right? I just, I want to get rid of that. So that would be my, my superpower, I think. That's a really, man, bias. That's a, that's a really, really good one. And yeah, if you could get in control of that, I think we would all be uh, a lot better traders. One other thing that it said that I wanted to, to mention a little bit is it talked about how almost the worst traders in the world are some of the smartest people in the world. And that really hit me because you do get biased whenever you've all your life uh, gotten, a, gotten straight A's in school. Okay, so the person that was in school and they got an A and everything they did, uh, they, they went on to become a lawyer, they went on to become a doctor, they you know, all these things. They're just a genius at everything they do. And in trading, you don't get right answers all the time. You don't get straight A's, but you've got that bias, just, just like Drip was just talking about. You've got that bias to think like, uh, well, everywhere else in my life, I've just, I've just crushed it. I'm, I'm an absolute you know, baller at everything that I do. And then you get into trading and you're like, oh no, what's this? I got a C minus, basically. I don't like this. This is uncomfortable for me. And you become a bad trader um, because of that. So that kind of hit me that uh, just because you're smart, um, not that I think of myself as smart, but just because you, one is smart, um, it, it doesn't mean anything. Boys, it, it, check, check this out too, right? You can have bias going into market open. And, and again, we don't want to have that. But one of the things that I noticed is and I'm stubborn. I'm I'm super stubborn. Um, is if I allow myself to be biased going into a trade, then as that trade goes against me, my bias becomes even more stronger, like even stronger, right? So now I'm saying like, oh, you're just trying to psych me out. So I'm gonna average down. I'm just gonna add more. You think I'm out of money, bitch? I'm not out of money. I'm going to the ATM, right? And it just keeps, I just keep fueling it. I'm throwing my money out the window and the market's saying, bro, like, it's literally telling me, like, cut it off, like, stop. And I just keep doing it. And that emotional uh, attachment that we, we get from it, we, because we want to win. Everybody wants to win, right? We don't want a participation trophy. We want to we take home green every day. And if we could, that'd be fantastic. What the market would look like, I can't even imagine. But there has to be winners. There has to be losers, period. And I like to, I like to have myself, and I was actually just talking to a member about this earlier. Um, I like to be able to follow my, my bias or my rules when I'm good or when I'm bad, right? So if I'm good and yes, there's more, but I, I want to be consistent in taking that profit. And if I'm not, if I keep moving my stop up, right, then when my stop, when my uh, play goes against me, I'm going to be the one that keeps moving my stop down, right? I'm always going to try to squeeze more out of it. Yeah. That's real. I love that, where, where you're trying to just get that little yeah, you extra don't, you bit. Don't need it. Don't need it. Well, it, it's absolutely true, and especially you see that whenever people are trying to pick straight up bottoms and, and, and sell straight up top. And, you know, especially if you're dealing in options, these people may be up 200 percent, 
but they feel they could be up 250% and they just stick it out just a little bit longer and man, it burns. Yeah, I'll be right back. I'm going to move my stop up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Just got to, got to go move that up. Um, Nate had put in the comment right here, which is a little bit exactly what we're saying right now. He said, uh, number nine and 10 really hit me. So I wanted to read these. Let me start out with number 10 because it's really what we're saying right now. But number 10 on the attitude survey was even when I have a clear signal to reverse my position, I find it extremely difficult to do. Agreed. 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 Right. And I've had it where I'll be, you know, have my own system and rules and, you know, it'll tell me to buy, right? And I'll be sticking out. It'll go against my position. And then it'll tell me to sell. Basically, the same system is so strong and I'm so wrong <laughs> that it's now telling me to sell <laughs> instead of buy. And I'm still sticking with it. I'm like, no, no, that original buy signal, that was the real signal. That was the real one. The, that was a fake out. Now we're going to get back going uh, in that other way. And so I've done that. And yeah, number 10 hits. Number nine, by the way, that Nate also mentioned, said my methodology tells me exactly under what market conditions to either enter, enter or exit a trade, which gets exactly what I just said. You can have the exact methodology, you know. Uh, it's over the 200 EMA. It's under the 200 EMA. It's, you know, it's got uh, this resistance, this support, whatever, whatever your methodology is, and it'll tell you exactly whether to enter or exit a trade. And again, there's no wrong or right answer there. A lot of people do have that exact type of methodology. But what do you do when it goes against you? You get that clear signal that you hit that stop loss, or like I said, you've went way past that, and now you've went so past it that your system is giving you an, uh, a counter signal to what you're originally in. And what do you do? And it gets to be where what I think this book is completely about is you can be an awesome technical trader as far as analysis. And you know how to read everything about the charts. But if your problem is between the ears, you've got the fear running in you. You've got the FOMO. You've got uh, thinking you can squeeze just every little penny and you're going to sell at the tick at the top of the chart then eventually you're going to have a big, big loss and it's going gonna, it's gonna to bite you in the butt. And that's, that's hard and humbling. Yeah, my answer for those were agree and disagree, I think. And then on 30, I put ambition, which has to do with a lot what Drip was saying on how his bias gets played into things. And I was like, yeah, I, I feel like I know what I need to do. And every time I'm like, okay, let me play opposite. I'm like, okay, I, I'm starting to win. And then my bias starts to kick in. And I'm like, hold. So, Christine, the, 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 the opening bell is going to be tomorrow morning. Okay. It's the first time in, you know, what, 72 hours since uh, the, the bell's rung. Are you going to have any of this in the back of your mind as you hit submit? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's so crazy. I feel like today's just been such a blessing in the fact that tomorrow, the opening bell and first uh, day of trading for the week. And then we had this webinar earlier this morning um, with Jordan, Drip, Keanu, Wolf, and Garrity. And then so I was taking notes there and they're just dropping gems as usual uh, with how to just trade better and like their journey and what made them just become like just better at trading and who they are now. And then we had this and we're starting trading in the zone. And just this chapter by itself has just hit me hard big time. And I just feel like I'm just better prepared for tomorrow. Is it going to make you feel like, because I read this a little bit, you almost feel like a baby trader again to where you're just learning yeah. how to read a card. It does feel like that. 
And I just have to, I know it's just going to be echoing through my mind. And it's going to be weird because it's going to be your voice echoing through my mind oh, before no. I pull um, triggers on executing trades and, uh, you know, just getting in and getting out. Well, I have your voice uh, always recorded in my mind as too, but it always says this. By the blood, don't be a pussy. Okay. And which I always think that's unique um, of, of an approach to be able to say, but uh, wh whatever, whatever. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, y'all about to have me sell everything in the morning. <laughs> I need some profits. <laughs> need need a few of those profits. Oh, I've been holding on to nothing but dead bags, so I might as well let something go. Get, and, you know, come away with at least, you know, some money that I don't have now. You know, we have to take profits. I think 2023, a lot of people like, you know, when as they were tweeting what they're just going to be better at um, on the timeline, a lot of people are like, I'm not leaving money on the table anymore. Like, I'm just not going to smoke that hopium anymore. I'm going to take like, you know, I'm going to take my gains and then I'll re-enter or, you know, I'll, there's always another trade. And I was like, that's so cool. If I only took a little bit of profit of everything that I was trading that did go up, I would be up right now. Exactly. But no, I would just want to hold on to a bag thinking, okay, something's going to pop. I know it. I just keep okay. holding. Something's going up. Good looks is a, is a hopium addict, it sounds like. Uh, it's uh, down bad, y'all. He's down bad. Down bad. Um, this was good. I'll, I'll say another thing about this is I feel like initially – it's almost like you have to get more sick before you can get better. Because as I read some of this and it talks about, well, you know, you have to have that no fear mindset and just understand that losses are part of things. But I feel like, as I talked about Christine tomorrow morning, whenever that opening bell comes and her fingers on the, the mouse ready to hit submit, it almost is, you almost will have exactly what we just said not to do. I almost feel like I'm going to be more fearful, at least initially, because I'm going to have these things running through my head uh, and the things that we talked about tonight running through my head, even though I know it's telling me to to not do that and trust in my system, cut off my losses whenever it's going the wrong way and that sort of thing. But I, I feel like I'll be uh, processing a little bit of this more than maybe I, I would have processed the trade beforehand without this book. Right. But we can't let it, you know, get us emotional where we're fearful to like make that first trade after reading the first chapter of this amazing book because we just have to learn how to just be unemotional in the market as well so it's kind of a it's kind of oxymoronish but we just got to do it it's 2020 guys leave that shit of bag holding behind yeah and look yeah you don't get to keep breaking your rules and say oh i'll just start over tomorrow if you keep doing that just just close up your book right now put the cap on your pen and just go walk away just just walk away because that we all do it, right? Some of us, we already messed up on our 2023 goals, right? Oh, I'm not going to do this. Oh, I'm not going to do that. Oh, it's dry. It's dry January. Pff, I blew that out of the water. You know what I mean? But you, you can't keep excusing it away. We do that on the charts. We do it in the charts. Oh, now I see why it got me. That's, that's why I got out on the wrong candle. I should have took a left. Instead, I went right. Just stop with the excuses. Journal out everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. And be specific, right? If if then, if I if I would have took profit, then blah 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 blah. If I if I would have sold, or if I would have held, right? I decided I was going to get more. Then I got smoked like a five ounce dub, or doobie, or whatever it's called. 
Doobie. <laughs> What's up? Five ounce doobie is kind of crazy. That'd be a big one, wouldn't it? Yeah. One of the questions is like, I want to know y'all's opinions. When it said, uh, do you agree or disagree when it, um, when you, like, do you need to go through a bad trade to initially be a good trader? I put yes because I was like, we're always going to go through ups and downs and more downs than up. But again, I feel like me doing that, I get into a bad habit on my trading. So I don't know if I agree or disagree with that. What do you guys think? I mean, I, I think, I don't know how the exact, I don't know if you have what number of, of question it was, but to me, I do not. Oh, okay, that's okay. But, but to me, I don't know. I would take that as like an education thing. Like we've almost every mistake we can make in the market, we've probably made, right? Held on too long. Uh, didn't get in whenever we should have got in, got in whenever we shouldn't have got in. We've probably all made those mistakes. And hopefully you make them and you do learn from them and you become a better trader in the end of them. So to me, I do sort of believe that uh, you kind of need to stub your toe a little bit uh, because that's just the way the market is. It's just, it goes, there are very few people that they just sit in front of the computer and they've read a lot of books and they're educated and all of a sudden they're a good trader from their books. It, it's, it's like uh, in college where there's the, the, the class, but then there's the lab attached to it. I don't know if any of you have been through traditional education where you have to go to chemistry in college, but then you also have to go to the chemistry lab class. And uh, there's definitely a lab in the markets. You, you can't just know everything. You have to apply it. And so to me, and, and again, this is just maybe this is my own personal opinion, to me, yes, you do have to apply everything you've learned and you probably will apply it incorrectly at first before you just kind of learn what, and once you do apply it and you do take that lab, then all of a sudden the, the, the books that you read and the things that you've heard, it makes sense. You're like, oh, that's why they said don't move your stop loss. I, I got it now. Now it makes sense. Hey, and have you ever heard people say, oh, I made that mistake once. I, w I won't make it again. Look, that's fake news. You're going to make it again. It's going to happen again. When you stub your toe, right? You never stub it in the same spot. Get Band-Aids, motherfuckers. You're going to need them. <laughs> Love that. I, talk, but I have to go beg people on TikTok to vote for me and see my NFT giveaway because this guy is like, he's now like 15 votes away from knocking me out and I only have like 40 minutes. But I love you guys. <laughs> Go win, lovable. Go, go. I'm gonna go. try. I'm gonna beg on my knees and see if people will vote for me. I love you guys. Hey, Have a good night. Real talk. Am I allowed to swear on here? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. I felt a little bad after that. After that one. <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, did you swear? Oh yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, oh yeah. I, I guess I'm so callous over here. I didn't even I realize you've already so swear. excited. Yeah, I just get so excited. You're gonna, you're gonna mess up. You're not going to mess. Maybe you're not going to mess up the exact same way, right? But it's going to be along the same lines. It's it's going to happen. It's experience, right? Any of you guys out there with kids, you, all your kids aren't the exact same growing up. My boys are so much easier than my girls. You know, and for some, you might think it's opposite. But they each have their personality, their characteristics that I like, their characteristics that I'm like, eh, you got that from your mom, right? <laughs> but... <laughs> Go, don't be worried about failing, right? Instead of trying to protect yourself from it, just go into it and, and just mitigate it, 
right? Mitigate your risk of failing. But yeah, don't, I talked to a guy today. He's like, yeah, I made 45%. Um, I think actually it was on the webinar. They were, they were talking about it. Um, he made a trade back, I don't know, a couple months back, made 45%. And he's had a little bit of stage fright getting back in, doing it, you know, am I going to lose it? Am I going to have the same repeatable uh, outcome? And you just, you don't know, right? You show up every day trying to better yourself and, you know, keep your wins tight, keep your losses tight. Love that. Love that wisdom drip. Thank you for that. Uh, you also, as you said, uh, mitigate. Uh, I put That's it up here word. in the jumbo truck. I don't even, yeah, don't ask it, me to spell it. Well, <laughs> it's, here, here's the thing. Maybe everybody doesn't realize this here, but I do a word of the day on my feed. Oh. And mitigate was a word from this week. So thank you for putting into practice, whether you realized it or not, uh, a word of the day that I had. So if you can see up at the top. Boys, I, you know what's bad, dude? When my little kids, I got nine and six. I'll say a word and they're like, Daddy, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on, Dad. It doesn't work like that. Right. Uh, but yeah, I do, I do a word of the day. So, Christine, tell everybody when the next time we're going to do this is. And uh, just kind of tell everybody how it works. And then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll continue this, this ball rolling. Yeah, so um, our next meetup for Chapter 2 is Wednesday, 6.30 Pacific Standard Time, uh, 9.30. Is it 9.30 for you, Voice of Defy? 8.30. 8.30 Central, 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. I think I got all those right. Yes, and then so we'll read Chapter 2. Chapter 1 was so successful. I'm so excited that we started this book. It resonates with all of us. Um, It was recorded, so if you want to kind of uh, listen back to that, I know a couple of you guys said you came in late. Um, It was recorded, and then Voice of DeFi will post these spaces for Wednesday. Um, Today, the spaces that he did put up for the set reminder didn't work, so he had to start um, a new, brand new space, but I'm glad you guys found it. But if that happens again, just kind of like wait a couple minutes and then see if he's on. And it probably didn't work on the first one. So he'll start a new one. But we'll see you guys on Wednesday. If you guys haven't ordered the book, um, you could order it from Amazon or go to your local bookstore, Trading in the Zone. And then the PDF is free. The link is up there on the top um, of the Jumbotron. I'll keep putting that up there for anyone that wants to read um, along and not want to buy the book, but I do suggest you buy the book. It's kind of cool. It is. It is a good book. And by the way, next week's chapter two, which these are longer chapters. We made us do a chapter, uh, each session, but it's called the lure and the dangers of trading. And what's interesting, just going through it. Um, I have not read this book, by the way, I know some of, some people have, but as you go through, it has something that'll say like problem, the unwillingness to create rules, problem failure to take responsibility problem addiction to random rewards and then it discusses all those so if those type of problems and then kind of the discussion point afterwards sound good to you make sure you come in here it's going to be wednesday so we do it every monday and wednesday uh the next session is wednesday so just 48 what is it 46 short hours from now um you can come in here and we will do the next session for this all right uh Yes, nice room size, guys. I see more people are interested in hearing or reading along with books now. Hey, we are, uh, Christine and I are. Ma- 2023, man. 
That's right. Well, Christine and I talked about this last week is like, how many of us used to read books and were really excited about reading books? I used to read fiction and nonfiction. I, I loved Michael Crichton and that sort of thing. And then I became an adult and I actually went to college and then I had children and the the love I had for books was still there, but I just, I just got out of it. You know, Twitter became my book. And all of a sudden, now I kind of realized that like, I miss that. And so this is kind of combining Twitter with a book. And I feel like I, Christine and I aren't alone in that, that there are other people that used to read that would like to get back into reading. And uh, this is a good opportunity to do it in some topics that maybe you would like to read. We did Bitcoin Billionaires for the last book this one we're doing trading in the zone and uh yeah we're up for suggestions for whatever the next one is uh before i leave and play some really smart sounding music so we can all sound smart before i sound off uh, sign off i see in the end wag me has, uh had raised your hand i wanted to see what you what was up with you and how you were hey hello can you hear me loud and clear hey. what, what happened to the room today uh tons of new people i mean tons of people joined i'm very happy about that I think because we started a new book, um, I know everyone kind of wants to get in uh, when there's a new book started versus coming in in the middle. So we just started today with trading in the zone. And then I like it because it resonates with all um, tradable assets. So I mean, and then I posted an ad on Craigslist. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. On Craigslist and offer up. I think we're all tired of taking L's and we need to educate uh, ourselves. Yeah. I, I wanted to add a little bit on uh, when uh, the voice said like not the smartest always win in trading uh, so I've been in NFT for almost two years and uh, I've been mostly holding the bags and I got one of my brother's uh, uh, friends uh, to get into NFT and the very first NFT he bought was an Azuki and the guy sold it for 34 ETH <laughs> and I've never flipped that hard. And because that was just, yeah, just random luck. Yeah, and, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes it is just random luck. And the problem is, if you start out trading in whatever market you're in, crypto options, wh whatever, and you have ama amazing success right out the gate, I'm not going to say you're set up to fail. But that what you feel like is the normal for a dopamine hit <laughs> for trading uh, is not in reality. And it, it is setting you up for maybe not failure, but disappointment at the least if somebody just really has un unusual success right there in the beginning. So, uh, yeah, uh, good that they have that good luck. But, uh, you know, as we know, good luck is not sustainable. You actually have to have a trading plan. And then, as this book, we'll talk about some trading discipline and some trading fortitude as well. All right, Christine, anything you want to add before I play the smart music and uh, get on out of here? Nope. Just a reminder, guys, um, you know, follow Voice of DeFi. He's going to be posting the link for Wednesday. If you don't have the book already, you can order it on Amazon or go to your local bookstore. If not, I will be posting the PDF of the book so you could read along every single time see you guys on wednesday and uh good luck for your trades tomorrow bye love Indeed. you bye love you hugs and kisses bye. you hang up you uh, hang up first oh you hang no, up first you, please, uh, you hang up. all right do the hugs and kisses I'm thing here's what i want to
the Dallas Cowboys are moving on, and Tom Brady may be done for his career, and it's mainly supported FTX. I thought divorced Tom Brady was bringing it home. No, 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 not going to happen. Met, met the Dallas Cowboys. Got me kind of like swerving a little bit. Okay, turn up a little bit, boys. Oh my we God. Ain't done let's, let's pull out another book, baby. Let's read another chapter. Keep going. Are your hips thrusting yeah, too? Uh, well, because my yeah, and now my toes are curling a little bit. Uh, I mean, I'm. Oh, I think it's time for me to go. <laughs> I am. I'm going. More hair on my chest just from listening to this. All right, uh, we will be back Wednesday, everybody. We'll start chapter two. Love all y'all. See really ya. appreciate everybody. Do this thing later, y'all. Peace. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep.